I don't want us to leave this place. Let's stay in it. I'm not going to preach a long preach. I'm out of out of this song that we just sang now. God is taking us to another place. So I've got a whole preach here that I'm not going to do. But I want to play and I want to stay at this place of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try and bring it in a short way through to us so that out of this, out of this place we know who Yeshua is, who is Jesus Christ to us. I don't know where to start. Father, Holy Spirit, just come let the words that are spoken will be direct from your mouth and will fall into the hearts and to the minds of people. Let who Jesus is get the glory and the honor today. Let his name be declared above all names. And let we see him for who he is and for who we are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole thing that I wanted to do is to bring us as a congregation to a place of, of where, who are we and what are we on this earth at this moment. And, and what are we waiting for? And who are we waiting for? And it all lies in the, in the Jewish way of courtshiping and the Jewish way of marriage. And I'm, and I'm not going to do th all those things. But we know that the Jewish way of courtshiping is different than the Western culture. We know that in the Western culture... A young man will see a woman and he will approach her, like the two there at the back, and they will connect and try and work things out and, and commit to one another. But the Jewish culture worked differently, and, and it's so beautiful how Jesus also uses this wedding culture of the Jews, of the Hebrews, in a lot of his his ways of talking to us, bringing that back to the wedding, bringing that back to a place of who we are in Christ. What, what, what are we in Christ at this moment? Who are we? And he uses that a lot of times. And I'm just going to go through a few things and we're going to get us through into, into where I think Jesus is leading us into it. Because the Jewish culture is that, if you, if you know it, that the father is the one that chooses the bride. Not the, not the husband. The father chooses the bride. The father goes out to the father of the bride. And through meeting together, saying that, he would love his daughter to marry his son. That's how it is. 
And it's still like that. The Western culture is quite different. You see, most of those marriages were not made out of love. There was no love. There was no feeling of, let me first see if I love this girl, if I don't love her, or love this man. There wasn't. The first time that they met one another is when the father took the son so that the contract and the whole ceremony of engagement could be done. Sometimes the father didn't go by himself. He sent a servant. If we look at Abram who sent his servant to go and look for a bride for his son. And that's how, that's how the culture is. And then we see that, that when, when they get together, or when, when the father gets together to, with the two fathers, there's a, there's a, 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 it's a contract and it's gifts that are, that are all being given. And I don't want to go through all those gifts. But the one thing I want to stand and just let, you, let, let that impact come into you is, uh, is, is the impact that we've got to understand is when they're engaged, who is the Lord of the ring? You see, in South, in our, not South Africa, but in our Western culture, two people will go out and, and they will try and understand one another and know one another and, and work things out. And then there's a moment, there's a moment that comes. Now, if, if you look at the normal pictures, they will hang on one another's necks. Isn't that the, the, the latest? It's hanging on one another's necks and it's sitting with the hands on one another's legs and it's always next to one another. But there's a moment in life that comes when the picture changes and the photos that you see afterwards is like this. A hand on his breast, on, on, the, on, the, on the man's breast. And, and it's not the right hand, it's always the left hand. You see, the ring, the ring is shown. Showing who's Lord of this little ring. Or the next picture will be like this. Isn't it? Isn't that how we do it? Huh? Young girls dream about it since they've been born. That's all. Give them their first Barbie and it should be dressed in white. That's what they dream about. But in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, in the Jewish culture, no, it's not. You see, the Jewish culture, the engagement period that we go into is a commitment to marry. Keep this. It's a commitment to marry. In our Western culture, it's an intention to marry. Because we sometimes break those engagements off like nothing and we see that when Mary and Joseph when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant or she was pregnant at that stage they were engaged to get married and it's so beautiful in Matthew you haven't got it there in, in Matthew 1 18 to 19 where, where we see the case of Mary and Joseph who were pledged to be married 
when, Ma- when Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, Joseph considered divorcing Mary quietly to protect her reputation. You see, the engagement period for the Jews was a contract, was a binding contract. The only way you could get out of that was by divorcing. It's not just giving the ring back. It's by divorcing. And I want to bring us into this place of what has it got to do with us as a, as a church? What has it got to do with us as people? Why is it so important? Because we are in the engagement period of our lives. The Father is God himself. And I'm not going to go through all those scripts because I want to get, I want to, get to, the, to the end. The Father is God himself. The father of the bride at that stage was who? Who did we belong to before we got engaged? The devil. So the two, the two parties here is Father God and the devil. You remember that when Jesus went into the, into the desert, what did the devil say to him? Bow before me and I will give you everything that belongs to me. And everything of this world belongs to him. So he's the father. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus Christ. We know that. He's beautiful. We sang it. He's Yeshua. He's the bridegroom. He's the one that came for us. And that's where I'm going to start out out of this whole thing. I'm not going to do all the others. He is, who's the bride? How do we know we're the bride? Ephesians 5, 25 to 31. Twenty-five says, "Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church." So, what does it say? Who's the wife? The church. And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. In 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. For the husband, listen clearly, the husband is head of the wife. As also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and, to the, and the two shall become one. And this is the great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. So who is the bride? We are the bride. We are part of the church. So we're then looking at the, the, the two fathers, God, contract between the fathers. Then we look at 
the bride is us, and the bridegroom is Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to run through all those all those um, scripts that I that I that I gave you. So just follow me, please. Try and f- I'm trying to follow myself at this moment because <laughs> I've got to get it. The worship was so good. The worship was so anointed that, uh, yeah, we just want to get, get through it. Um, so what happens then? The, the, the two fathers, there's an there's a exchange of, 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 uh, of gifts. The father promises the other father gifts. He pays a price for the, for the bride. And the price that he gives to the bride, I'm just going just gonna to mention them and, and give you in which verses it is. I'm not going to put the verses up. So the, the groom's father comes and he then gives the, the, the bride's father gifts. He promises them a contract. In the, in, in the Western culture, it's just the difference because it is the the bride's father that pays everything. So those with daughters, listen closely. It's the groom's father that gives the gifts for the daughter. We do it the other way around. It's the groom's father. Listen. You got it, Amy. (laughs) Right. That, that, That price that he pays is called a mohar. It doesn't have to be valuables. It can be a service. Now, God the Father comes and he pays a price to the other father. And the one moar that he gives us is a kingdom that he pays of heaven. He promises the bride a kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, 45 to 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. That's what he gives, fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven is like fine pearls. He promises and he gives salvation and righteousness. In Isaiah 61, 10, I'm not going to read it. For he clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. The righteousness is compared to a jewel in Malachi 3.17. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possessions, jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So he's giving... Out of certain things, he is giving treasure. He gives his glory and his power to us. In 1 Kings 8, 10 to 11, when the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priest could not continue their service because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. 
of that Lord. And we are called the temple. He gives us glory. He makes home in us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We have seen it. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He gives his splendor. His splendor is his magnificent future or his qualities. In Ezekiel 16:14, your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. That's what he gives us. That's what he presents to us as a, as a church, as a bride. He's giving it to us. Then as the father gives to the other father, the groom comes and he also gives presents to the bride. And that present is called the, is called the matin. In the New Testament, there was a celebration that was held or held after Jesus was crucified. After his resurrection and he went up to heaven. And these festivals that were held after the death was called the Shavuot. where tens of thousands of Jews from lands near and far make their way to Jerusalem. And in this particular Shavuot in Acts 2, when around 120 followers of Jesus were together in one upper room in Jerusalem, on that day of Matin, the Shavuot is also called the day of Matin, also known as the Pentecost, we read the thrilling words, when the day of Pentecost came, in Acts 2, 2-4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This matin is the gift that Jesus has spoken about in, in Acts 1, 4-5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit is the matin, the gift that the bridegroom gives us. The bridegroom has given this because he loves the bride to encourage us in days of our engagement and separation to assure us of his pledge to bless us, strengthen us and beautify us. That's what he's giving us. You see, our whole, our, uh, the whole church is based on the wedding. It's the, it's the engagement period and the wedding is still coming. The wedding is still coming. Because what happened is when, 
when, when the bridegroom comes and he, and he, and he, and he, and, and they, and they give the gifts and they do the contract and everything, he withdraws back to his father's house. And then he goes and builds a room on his father's house. We go and buy our own homes. But they go, and when he's ready, the father will send him to fetch his bride. So what did Jesus say? I'm going to my father to build a mansion, to build homes, to build a house for you. And when I am ready, the Father will send me. And no one knows that day. Because the Son doesn't know when the Father will say to him, go and fetch your bride. And the bride doesn't know the day when the bridegroom is coming to fetch the bride. The only time that she will know it is the blow of the trumpets and the noise that the young men are making to come and fetch her. What does the word say of us? We don't know that day. We don't know that day. We will hear it when the trumpets blow. When Jesus comes again to fetch his bride, that is us. Yes, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, but a greater gift he gives the bride. Because our father of this earth is the father of lies, is the father of death. And Jesus says, if you engage to me, I give you life. I give you life. John 3, 15 to 16 says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 8, 12, it says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can come to the house of the Father where I have built my room except through me. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. Truly, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself unless He sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That's John 15, that 19, 21, and 24. In 19, so Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself unless He sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does. 
In 21 he says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he wishes. 24 says, Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. Indeed, he has crossed over from death to life. You see, Jesus paid the price for his bride. He paid the price. And that price, that price is a contract. And it's called the ketubah. The contract between the bride and the bridegroom that they sign. In Hosea 2.19-20, the contract says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me. In righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Jesus speaking to us. In 1 John 2.2 2 it says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the, those of the whole world. Hebrews, in 1 Peter 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed, purchased with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He has bought us. That is the price. That's the contract. Death on a cross. So that whoever believes in him will not perish. Whoever declares the cross, whoever declares Jesus Christ will not perish. That's the contract. I will then take you from death into life. And then, and then, when this contract is signed, the bride has an option. She has an option. She can say yes or no. And together, they take the cup of acceptance. The bridegroom will take a cup of wine and sip it. And he will pass that cup to the bride. And she can deny it the moment she sips it. She declares herself engaged to the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom does that, he makes a promise 
that he will never drink again till he comes and fetches her. In Matthew 26, 29, Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus says to Peter in the, in, the, in the garden when they came to arrest him, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? The last sip that he took was on the cross. when they put the sour wine in his mouth, spit it out and he said, it is finished. Bowing his head and gave up his spirit. And to us as the bride, he is holding that cup out to each one of us now. To each one. A cup of acceptance. A cup that you and I I've got to take and say, yes, I drink from this cup, or no, I'm not willing. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, he says, for I received from the, Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. This is in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until you come, until he comes. We proclaim that we are engaged to him. That's what it says. And the bride is encouraged, encouraged to often drink from the cup. To encourage her that her bridegroom is preparing a place for them. And he will be coming back to fetch her. That is what the communion means to us. But we can only drink from it. We can only drink from it when we are willing to be engaged to Jesus Christ. When we are willing to proclaim his name. We are willing to proclaim the cross. We are willing to repent from our sins. Because that's what he says. Repent and be baptized. For the kingdom is yours. Unless one is born again, unless one is born again, unless we put away the things of our earthly father and we are born again into a spiritual father, unless we do that, 
we cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless he is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. As Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm inviting you to drink from the cup that Jesus offers us today. But if you haven't got Jesus Christ in your, in your heart yet, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your life yet, do not drink from that cup. Because you cannot get engaged if you don't accept him. If you don't, don't accept him as your Lord and your King. The other thing I want to ask you is, when we drink from that cup, let it be a commitment to our engagement to him. Let we know that we are committed as a bride to Jesus Christ. And not just an intention. Because 2024, the commitment is going to be, be asked of us more and more and more. We sometimes come into, into a new year with all these new year resolutions that we want. But all of them is an intention. Most of them is intentions. We will do this. We want to try and do this. We will try and diet. We will try and exercise. We will try and do this. And that's the way that we go through life. But our engagement to Christ must be a commitment that we will give ourselves to His glory for He's coming back to fetch a bride that is spotless. I'm inviting you to take the cup, each one by himself. It's going to be difficult this year. We're going to go through trials but there's a commitment and say, in these trials, I'm doing it to the glory of God, Jesus Christ. For those that haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your life yet, do not drink from that cup. If you're not committed to him, do not drink from it. But come, there's people around you, ask them, how do I commit myself to Jesus Christ. What must I do to accept Jesus Christ in my life? I'm here. Francois here. Kenny's here. Anybody around you, go to one. What must I do to accept Jesus Christ in my life? I'm going to do a prayer. Help yourselves. Is that okay? Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for who you are. As we now take from this cup, Father, because your son Jesus Christ gave his life for us. His body was broken on that cross. But he's the bread of life. He's the one that we hold on to. He's the bridegroom, Father, that we as a bride are longing to see.
are longing to be with. And as we take from the bread, Father, we remember what he has done on that cross for us. And as we take from the wine, as we sip the wine that the Father, that the Son holds out to us, we sip the cup of acceptance that we are committed in this engagement. And we do it as often as we can until Jesus comes back when the Father says to him, Son, go and fetch your bride. You are ready. The house is built. Go and fetch them. And until then, we commit ourselves to run, to disciple, to bring in others, to spread the word of Jesus Christ, to spread what he has done for us, to spread the love of him, to bring people through the Holy Spirit and through his grace and mercy from death to life. That we will be like the virgins on the way to the wedding whose lamp and never died. We've got enough oil in us, enough oil to keep our lamps burning through the power, through the glory, through the love of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.